my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, look no further than the Marketing School Podcast, hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Su. It is the number one marketing podcast on Apple and number 15 on business in the United States. Now, if you want to listen to interesting conversations with operators that have been there, done that, also with other interesting guests, then listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season show us big risk can yield big rewards, like Rob Riley, the creative head of one of the world's leading advertising firms. I try to create environments where anybody can say anything without any judgment. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast. The United States government's Treasury Department spent the final six months of 2023 stockpiling hundreds of billions of dollars into an account called the Treasury General Account, which now sits at $730 billion. So what is this account and what exactly are they planning on using this massive stockpile of cash for? Well, to answer that, we actually have to answer a more curious question, which is why did the government not used to use this account prior to the financial crisis? Well, up until 2008, the US government kept its cash inside the banking system, which meant that it had bank accounts at regular banks the same way that you and I did. This meant when the government would take money in taxes or they would borrow money, it would go inside their bank accounts, which were held at regular banks. And then just like you and I, when they would spend money, that money would be debited out of their bank accounts and it would be transferred to whoever they are spending the money on, whether that be a pharmaceutical company or a social security paycheck or a politician's pockets. But everything changed in 2008 because for the first time in United States history, the Federal Reserve engaged in something called debt 
monetization. Now they called this QE or quantitative easing, but that's just a euphemism. The actual practice is debt monetization. Debt monetization is the practice by which the central bank prints money and lends it to the central government. It's called debt monetization because you're taking debt from the central government and you're turning it into money because the central bank is buying it with freshly printed cash. Technically, this process goes through the banking system. The Fed doesn't buy this debt directly from the government because that's illegal, but you still get the same effect. This is why the Federal Reserve's balance sheet was always under $1 trillion until they started the first round of quantitative easing when they started buying a bunch of government debt and mortgage-backed securities starting in 2008. This eventually took their balance sheet up above $4 trillion by 2015. Now, debt monetization or quantitative easing has some effects on the banking system that they needed to make some changes in order to handle. You see, before this started happening, anytime the US government spent money, whether they took that from taxes or they borrowed it, it was simply a dollar transfer. They borrow a dollar from a bank and they spend it on a social security paycheck. Or they take a dollar from your paycheck in taxes and they spend it on a military contractor. So let's deal with the taxes first. Clearly with taxing the money, that is a direct dollar transfer. No dollars are being created or destroyed in that process. They're taking a dollar from your paycheck and they're depositing it into somebody else's account. That has a net zero effect on the banking system because one bank will lose a deposit, which is a liability for a bank, and another bank will gain a deposit, which is again, a liability for a bank. Because when you make a deposit at the bank, you are owed that dollar back. It is debt to the bank, you are a creditor. So the bank needs to take that dollar, go do something with it in order to make money. Otherwise they're just losing money holding on to your dollars for you. So what they do is they go buy assets, which is typically creating loans. And that gives them an asset to offset their liability or an asset, some collateral to offset the dollar that they owe back to you. So prior to the financial crisis, anytime the US government spent money by taxing it, it was just a net transfer of dollars and there was no net effect to the banking system overall. With borrowing, the process can be a little different because when loans are made, you actually can have an increase in the total number of dollars. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure, I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. 
Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season remind us to embrace change and fearlessly look toward the future. Like Andrew Jarecki, award-winning filmmaker and creator of Movie Phone. The studios didn't really control the theaters. The theaters didn't control the studios. And I thought, well, there's a window in here where I could make things easier for the consumer and also make something that would be very useful for the industry. Or Kellen Kenny, Chief Marketing and Growth Officer at AT&T, who installed fiber in customers' houses rather than leading from afar. It is so crucial that you spend time with the customers. That is the best lesson. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, guys. I'm home. Everyone knows that it's dad's job to be a bit of a joker. Sorry I'm late, everyone. There was an accident at the factory. Monty fell into the upholstery machine. Don't worry, though. He's fully recovered. <sighs> Good one, Dad. <sighs> Did you get the pizza for dinner? So he likes to keep everyone happy with some dad jokes. Yep, right here. I had a coupon, and it saved me a lot of dough. Well, the truth is, Dad is just a fun guy. Hey, I'm not a mushroom. Please stop. Where does he get these stupid jokes from? He listens to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Oh, great. More dad jokes for me. We've delivered over 15,000 jokes to over 3 million listeners, and man, the postage fees are killing us. Listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is why the money supply has always increased because loans are continually being made. In a fiat monetary system that is not backed by anything like gold, dollars are lent into existence. This is done through fractional reserve banking because every time you deposit a dollar, like I said before, that bank is gonna take that dollar, they're gonna go do something with it, which is typically making a loan. But remember, when they make a loan, let's say it's for a mortgage, that dollar gets transferred into somebody else's bank account as a deposit. And then that bank takes that same dollar and lends it out again. But when you go to check your bank balance, you still have that dollar showing in your bank balance and you can get it out at any time. So while that dollar has been loaned from one bank to another and to another and to another, it is still showing up as an accessible dollar in every single person's bank account along the way. This is why when debt is paid off, it reverses that process and destroys that money that was lent into existence. So prior to the financial crisis, when the US government would borrow money in order to spend it, it was typically money that was getting lent into existence by a bank. But again, this didn't have any net 
negative result for the banking system because you are seeing a liability, a deposit created at the same time as you are seeing an asset, a US treasury, a loan created. So prior to the financial crisis, anytime the US government spent any money, they would do so by taxing, taking money from taxes and spending it, which was just a transfer of liabilities in the system for banks, or they were borrowing money and then spending that, which was creating a new liability, but it was also creating a new asset for those banks. The banking system was very comfortable with handling this. But again, everything changed in 2008. And this is why the Treasury general account started to get used in 2008, right at the exact time as the Fed's balance sheet started to explode. Because for the first time, the Federal Reserve was buying those assets, those US Treasuries themselves, which meant there were fewer US Treasuries available to the financial system, while at the same time, there were more dollar deposits. Again, because the Federal Reserve has to print those new dollars in order to buy those assets. So they were taking treasuries out of the system and inserting new dollars into the system. The Federal Reserve and the Treasury were both concerned that this new way of doing things with quantitative easing, where there were more dollars coming in, but less assets and less collateral available for banks, they were concerned that this would lead to liquidity issues collateral issues, and they didn't want to put extra stress on the banks. That was the whole point of doing the bailouts in the first place. So the Treasury General account absorbed the United States government's full accounts, and it basically became the entire checking account for the US government held directly at the Federal Reserve. Remember I said before that the United States government used to have its accounts in the banking system. As of 2008, that's no longer the case. The federal government has their account directly with the Federal Reserve. That is exactly what this account is, the Treasury General account. It is the government's checking account. Now, when they take money in taxes or borrow money, that cash goes into the Treasury General account. And then when they spend money, it leaves the Treasury General account. This is not an account held at a bank, so there's no need for them to worry or wonder about assets and liabilities and the banking system be able to handle those liabilities and needing to get collateral. This is simply an entry on the ledger held at the Federal Reserve, just ones and zeros on a spreadsheet. As a result, the federal government was now able to borrow and tax and spend without having to worry about if they were saving too much at a time or spending too much at a time and causing undue stress and swings in the banking system. And from 2008 through 2019, the usage of the Treasury General account grew and became more volatile. From the years 2009 through the years about 2014, the account stayed with an average balance of around $100 billion. Following 2015, you started to see bigger spikes with the account getting up above $400 billion and then getting drained back down to again, around the 30 to 40, $50 billion mark. There are a couple of reasons why the usage of this account began to grow and the volatility in this account began to grow. And we don't have to get into all the details during this video, but part of it came down to the Federal Reserve trying to undo that quantitative easing from before. Starting in 2015, the quantitative easing stopped with their balance sheet flatlining. And then starting in 2018, it actually started to decrease with the first round of quantitative tightening where they were trying to let their balance sheet decline. They were also making changes to interest rates. There were also political and administration changes, which changed the way that borrowing and spending happened. And all this led to more volatility with the Treasury General 
count and larger peak balances. But none of that came close to what we saw began to happen with this account starting in 2020. Moving into 2020, we saw this account explode to a peak of $1.8 trillion. Now that seems crazy, but if we remember that the Treasury General account is simply the checking account for the US government, we remember that at that point, the US government borrowed a bunch of cash so that they could start to spend it on all of the COVID relief stuff, all the paycheck protection plans and the stimulus payments and all the other hidden stuff that they spent money on. But the borrowing had to happen first. So the money came into the account and then they started to spend it down. After the inauguration of President Joe Biden, the new Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen said that she didn't want this account to be that large. And so they stopped borrowing more money and just spent down the amount in the Treasury General account. The plan was to get the account down to about $400 billion. Now that plan hit a snag. And ever since then, this plan has continued to hit snags every time there are issues with the debt ceiling and government shutdowns. That is why despite this account reaching highs of close to a trillion dollars again, it continues to be drawn down all the way down, almost empty back down to its old levels of around $40 billion. Again, this is the checking account for the US government. And so when the government hits a snag and is not able to politically borrow anymore, Yellen understands that they still have to spend money. And so she has spent time building this account up so that they can continue to spend money while Congress figures out a solution to start borrowing again. As of the the end of 2023, the account was back up to about $730 billion, which on the surface sounds like a staggering amount of cash. But when we put this into perspective of how much money the U.S. government actually spent. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance Plus, save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season remind us to embrace change and fearlessly look toward the future. Like Andrew Jarecki, award-winning filmmaker and creator of Movie Phone. The studios didn't really control the theaters. The theaters didn't control the studios. And I thought, well, there's a window in here where I could make things easier for the consumer and also make something that would be very useful for the industry. Or Kellen Kenny, Chief Marketing and Growth Officer at AT&T who installed fiber in customers' houses rather than leading from afar. It is so crucial that you spend time with the customers. That is the best lesson. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. 
Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey guys, I'm home. Everyone knows that it's dad's job to be a bit of a joker. Sorry I'm late, everyone. There was an accident at the factory. Monty fell into the upholstery machine. Don't worry, though. He's fully recovered. <sighs> Good one, Dad. <sighs> Did you get the pizza for dinner? So he likes to keep everyone happy with some dad jokes. Yep, right here. I had a coupon, and it saved me a lot of dough. Well, the truth is, Dad is just a fun guy. Hey, I'm not a mushroom. Please stop. Where does he get these stupid jokes from? He listens to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Oh, great. More dad jokes for me. We've delivered over 15,000 jokes to over 3 million listeners, and man, the postage fees are killing us. Listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver. And this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega-hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. We can see that that is less than a quarter of spending for the United States government, which has spent over $1 trillion in its first quarter of its fiscal year, which, by the way, is up 17% from the same period the prior year. When the U.S. government is regularly and easily spending $6 trillion in a fiscal year, having $700 billion in its checking account is not really consequential. However... What happens? What is the effect on markets and the economy when this account is filling up, when it is full, when there's a lot of cash in there, or even more importantly, when the account is being spent down and that cash is being drained? When the Treasury General account is being filled up, that simply means that there is more money going in than there is coming out, right? As it is with any checking account. For individuals like you and I, that means we are spending less than we are receiving in income. If our accounts are growing in value, obviously that's what's happening. And it's the same thing for the US government. When the Treasury General account is filling up, it simply means they are taking more in taxes and borrowing more than they are currently spending. Remember what I said earlier about this account being held at the Fed? It's not inside the banking system anymore. This means that the result of the account filling up is actually less liquidity available in the banking system. You don't have banks able to take these deposits, leverage them, loan them out, rehypothecate those deposits, and have that contribute to a growing money supply. When the Treasury General account is filling up, that actually means there is less liquidity in the 
financial system. Banks have less access to cash. Dollars are being withdrawn from circulation. Now, all else being equal, this has the same effect on the economy as something like raising interest rates or quantitative tightening. It is restrictive from an economic standpoint. All else being equal, this pushes down on asset prices and suppresses economic activity. Now, on the flip side, what happens when this account is moving down? Well, when this account is moving down, it means the US government is spending at a faster rate than they are borrowing or taking in taxes. Because again, every dollar they take in taxes and every dollar they borrow goes into this account and every dollar they spend comes out of this account. So when the account value is moving down, simply means they're spending faster than they're taking income. If you've noticed, I say that the government takes income. I use that word very intentionally because governments can't make money. They can only take money. As I said before, the treasury general account is held outside the banking system. So when this account is going down in value, it means dollars are leaving this account and re-entering the banking system, re-entering circulation. This means there is more money in circulation. There are more dollars entering into banks. There is more liquidity. This has the same effect as reducing interest rates or quantitative easing. This increases liquidity and has the effect of pushing up on asset prices, stimulating economic activity. Now, clearly this is not the only contributing factor to liquidity, to whether the economy overall is facing restrictive headwinds or stimulative headwinds. This is simply one out of many. Other things like the Fed's QE, the Fed's raising or lowering interest rates, banks' willingness to lend or them contracting their lending, individuals' own decisions on whether to spend more, borrow more, save more, be more productive, produce more income, all of those factors have massive effects. So everything we're talking about here, as always with economics, is ceteris paribus, all else being equal. This is simply the force that the Treasury General account exerts on the economy, whether up or down, and it may be fully offset by other forces. Or it may be doing the exact same thing, just adding to those other forces. But it is absolutely worth paying attention to. Because while it's easy to take a look at a chart and just see a line moving up and down, it can be even easier to forget that these movements can take a long time, sometimes months and quarters. So we do get these swings, these forces on the economy that last for sometimes months, either providing extra liquidity or withdrawing liquidity, making conditions more restrictive or more easy. Over a long enough time horizon, it is true that these forces balance out because just looking at the US government's fiscal policy alone, the amount of money they're taking in taxes, the amount of money they're borrowing, which creates treasuries that are assets for banks, and then the amount of money that it's spending. The effect on the financial system alone is going to be netted out over time because over a long period of time, they're gonna have money coming in and money then eventually leaving. But those time periods where the conditions switch from more easy or more restrictive can last a while and can provide headwinds or tailwinds to markets, especially if they happen in conjunction with the other things like QE, interest rates, bank lending, et cetera. And if you're wondering the best way to protect your investments from the volatility and sometimes the harsh crashes that these forces can impose on the markets, you're not alone. That's why hundreds of investors have signed up for Heresy Financial University, where I teach you how to do exactly that. Beat the averages consistently and protect your portfolio against losses. Link to sign up is in the description below. As always, thank you so much for watching. Have a great day. It's brand new season two. 
I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, look no further than the Marketing School Podcast, hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Su. It is the number one marketing podcast on Apple and number 15 on business in the United States. Now, if you want to listen to interesting conversations with operators that have been there, done that, also with other interesting guests, then listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season show us big risk can yield big rewards. Like Rob Riley, the creative head of one of the world's leading advertising firms. I try to create environments where anybody can say anything without any judgment. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcast. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.